and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today, as you listen to this week's content, that you grow in your faith and in your relationship with God. Connect more with us by going to ardmoresummit.church and remember to love God, love people, and love life. Well, again, I'm glad that you're here. I know that many of you have, have Easter plans with family and friends, and I want to make sure that we uh, do our best to get you there at a good time. But I have a word from the Lord, and I want to take some time and share some, some wonderful, powerful truth with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, open with me to the Gospel of John, chapter number 20. John, chapter number 20. My sermon to you today is Encountering the Risen Christ, Encountering the risen Christ. I want to look at places in Scripture where after the resurrection, after Jesus has risen from the grave, He meets people and there are are some encounters that, that people have with the risen Christ. And I know that there's some powerful truth that we can apply to our lives. I said this earlier and I want to say it again, that the resurrection is not just something that we look at that happened 2,000 years ago. The resurrection is something that matters right here and right now for our own lives. The resurrection is what gets me up every morning. That Jesus is alive. We're we're not bowing down to an idea. We're not bowing down to a a figment of our imaginations. We're worshiping the triune God who's alive. Amen? And so I want to talk to you today about encountering the risen Christ. John chapter 20, starting with verse 1, we'll go through verse 8, says this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. While it was still dark, And saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, being John, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Verse 3, So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Stooping in to look, He saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. And then verse 8, Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. Amen. Would you pray with me once more? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would let us hear crystal clear today what it means to be made right with you because you have risen from the grave. We ask you to open our hearts, be with our kids, be with all those who are joining, listening on the podcast, and I pray that we leave this place encouraged by the simple yet profound truth that you are alive. your name we pray, amen. If you have your outline, I want you to, to take some notes. Before we look at the uh, encounters that Jesus has with people after the resurrection, I want to talk about a few encounters that Jesus has with individuals and groups before the cross. We celebrated last week when Jesus came on, on Palm Sunday, where he comes into Jerusalem, and between then and Good Friday, when he goes to the cross, there are several um, interactions and encounters that Jesus has. Number one, if you go to the, that, that point, number one is this, Pilate sentenced him. The Bible says that Jesus saying of himself, no one takes my life, I freely lay it down. 
And it's true that Jesus came willingly as a, as a sacrifice to, to die for the sins of mankind. But it's also true that he's betrayed and he's brought before a very powerful governor who looks at him and says, don't you know that I have the power of life and death over you? And this man named Pilate, he, he, an innocent man stood before him and yet Pilate sentenced him to death. He tried to make it like the blame's not me, but indeed it was. Pilate's self-interest was stronger than his sense of true justice. And so Jesus, an innocent man, unwrongly is sentenced to die. The most horrific, excruciating pain you can imagine, death on a cross. Another interaction that Jesus has is, is number two, write this down, the soldiers and the crowd mocked him. As Jesus is heading to the cross in John chapter 19, you can turn there with me if you want. In John chapter 19, starting with verse number 1, it says, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they arrayed him in a purple robe. And they came to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. Other Gospels tell us that they spat on Jesus, mocking him. I don't know about you, but that pierces me. We just spent, we just sang several songs worshiping this man, Jesus, fully God and fully man. We spent time worshiping him, adoring him, proclaiming the strong truths of who he is. And right here, he, he can't do anything. He's completely helpless. And people are striking him left and right, mocking him, putting a crown of thorns on his head and spitting on him. That's an encounter that they had with Christ. Another encounter with Christ before he's at the cross is simply this. Number three, write this down. Most people left him. You remember earlier in the, in the Gospels, Jesus is attracting large crowds. Thousands of people came to hear this man speak, and he, he spoke in parables to them. He did miracles in front of thousands of people. He raised up the dead. He called out Lazarus from the tomb. Everybody saw and could not deny the power of Christ. They saw him do amazing things. They said, oh man, this guy, he's the Messiah. They cried out to him on Palm Sunday, Hosanna! They're excited. Peter even says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. You're the one that all of Israel has been hoping for. Through you, all the nations will be blessed. Through you, redemption will come. We'll be liberated. We'll be free. We'll have everything we desire. And instead of overthrowing Rome, he's hung on a cross by Rome. Most people left him. When Jesus needed them the most. They scattered for fear, for disappointment, their own self-interest, their own hurt, and Jesus was left to complete the mission by himself. In fact, really all we know of is John and some of the women were there observing the cross, betrayed by his own friends. The fourth one is this, encountering the risen Christ before he's got the cross excuse me, before he's raised from the dead, Joseph and Nicodemus buried him. Joseph and Nicodemus buried him. I want to read this to you. It's in John chapter 19, starting with verse number 38. 
after he's on the cross, after he breathes his last, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he may take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and they bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Here's why I bring this up, and here's why this encounter is important. The people who should have been there with Jesus, the people that should have taken care of Jesus, weren't there. And a man named Joseph of Arimathea, who was not friendly with his disciples, who was at odds with Jesus' message most of his life, this man honors Christ. Can you imagine with me for a moment? We, we know the end of the story, but just pause for a second with Jesus, a dead man, suspended on a cross. And this man named Joseph of Arimathea holds the corpse, a lifeless body in his arms. And he's the one that takes care of him and places him in his tomb. That's a powerful moment. Right up until the very end, in other words, people are beginning to see there's something more to this man. I love that, that even there there's a Roman guard that says, surely this man was a son of God. So these are all the encounters that happened before the resurrection. But I want us to now look at the encounters with Christ after the resurrection. In chapter 20, uh, it says this, starting with verse number 10. This is the story of Mary Magdalene. Write that name down. Mary Magdalene. I love this. In, in, in verse number 10, it says this. Disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped in to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Verse 16, I love this verse. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This encounter is important because Mary has a broken heart. By a raise of hands, how many of you have ever had a broken heart before? Pain, intense pain, and it seems like there is no hope. I've been there where I've said, I don't see how anything good can come out of this situation. She's hurt. 
She has a broken heart. She clearly cares for Jesus. I love that. She turns to Jesus not knowing he's, that's who it is. He says, who are you seeking? And when he says her name, when he calls her name, it clicks. And what happened in intense moments, just a couple days earlier, she's been suffering from a broken heart. Now, in an instant, everything changes. That's the type of power that an encounter with the resurrected Christ can do. That he, in an instant, can take a broken heart, suffering and pain, bitterness, and all of that, turn it in such a way that at that moment, all we know is joy. And by the way, I love this little sentence that's right there. It says, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, Listen, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. We're so used to hearing this. We sang it this morning. Praise the Father. We're so used to hearing that, but we don't feel the weight of how scandalous, how powerful that is. Because at that time, Jesus had a unique relationship with the Father that nobody else shared in. The Father eternally loves and blesses the Son. The Son glorifies the Father and the Spirit three in one. It's more than just something that's an algebra equation that we sing about. It's, it's the, this truth that God is a father without God being three in one there would be no such thing as the fatherhood of God and I'm thankful as we celebrate Easter I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sins right but there's so much more than that I'm thankful for my justification my legal right standing before a holy judge I'm thankful for all of those things But the crown jewel of salvation is this. I'm adopted into his family. And what Jesus is teaching us as the resurrected Christ is, hey, I'm not just canceling all your debts. I'm not just forgiving you of your sins. You're now part of the triune God's love. He's saying this. My father, my father is now your father. If you have a broken heart here today, hear those words. What did Mary do to deserve it? Nothing. What did she do to earn it? Nothing. Our efforts can turn us into a slave, but they can't turn us into a son or a daughter. It is by his love that he says, you now I call sons and daughters. Number two is this. You still with me? Number two is the two travelers. Look this up in your own time in the book of Luke, chapter 24. Write this down, verse 13 through 35. Let me briefly summarize to you. In the book of Luke, Jesus is is resurrected and he appears to these two men who are walking on the road to Emmaus. They're confused. They're, They're confused. And Jesus meets them and talks with them. And if you read it closely, he kind of messes with them. By the way, we, we sometimes see Jesus as so serious. I can tell you, if you slow down and read the Gospels, he's pretty funny. They're so confused, and this guy just starts walking with them, and they don't know it's him. And he says, hey, what y'all talking about? And they said, have you not heard the stuff that's happened in Jerusalem? Remember, tens of thousands of people are, but this is, this is news that's going everywhere. And he's like, have you not heard the news? And Jesus goes, hold on, what news? What are you talking about? 
And they say, oh, we've got to tell you. you. You would not believe what's happened. See, they were followers of his. They were trying to make sense of all the events that were happening in life. And they're confused. And, and very briefly, to, to get straight to the point, here's what Jesus does. Jesus takes their confusion and he begins to explain who he is. He reveals himself and they say, oh, did not our hearts burn within us? We knew there was something about him. But he explains all the things in Scripture, in the Old Testament, that point to this. Here's what this encounter with Jesus means. The cross was not a plan B. God is not scrambling at the last minute trying to figure out how to fix us. It was his plan all along. For hundreds of years, God said, you just wait. Just wait. Just wait and see what I do. And Jesus is saying, hey, the remedy for all your confusion is get in the word. That's what he's saying there. The remedy for all of your questions, it's already right there. It's right there. And by the way, let me point some of these out to you. In the Old Testament, before Jesus comes on the scene, hundreds of years before Jesus comes, let me read you some of the prophecies that are brought about. I'm going to go through them quick. You can write these down as you listen to the podcast. In the book of Micah, it says that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. The Messiah was to be born of a virgin in Isaiah. Zechariah tells us that the Messiah was going to enter into Jerusalem in triumph. The Messiah would be rejected by his own people in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Psalm chapter 41, it says the Messiah would be betrayed by one of his own followers. In Isaiah 53, the Messiah would be tried and condemned. Messiah would be silent before his accusers. The Messiah would be struck and spat upon by his enemies. Psalm 22, the Messiah would be mocked and insulted. Psalm 22, again, the Messiah would die by crucifixion. Isaiah 53, the Messiah would suffer with criminals and pray for his enemies. Psalm 22, others would cast lots for his garments. Exodus 12, the Messiah's bones would not be broken. Isaiah 53, the Messiah would die as a sacrifice for sin. Psalm 16, Messiah was to be raised from the dead. And Psalm 110, verse 1, the Messiah would be at the right hand of God. What Jesus is saying to these disciples is, Hey, I know you're a little bit confused, but I've been promising this all along. We can trust God. We can trust God. Number three is this. Here's an encounter with the resurrected Christ, the doubting disciple the doubting disciple you you no doubt pun know who he is we call him doubting that's such an unfortunate nickname how'd you like to be known as that doubting thomas really there's only one place in scripture where he raises some questions and forever henceforth shall be known as doubting thomas but it is a serious moment. This is what it says in John chapter 20, verse 24. Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see his hands and mark the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and unless I place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus come and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, this is Jesus talking to Thomas, Here, put your finger here. See my hands. 
Put out your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Verse 28, one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus is patient with those who doubt. You're here today. You've got questions. You're in good company. Join the club. You've had moments where you're trying to figure it all out. Join the club. Thomas in that moment said, we, we know he was dead. Unless I touch it, I, I, I couldn't believe. Jesus is patient and merciful to those who doubt. He's, he's patient with those who struggle. And yet he says, toughly yet tenderly, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. By the way, that's, that's you and me. Blessed are those who haven't seen yet we believe. There's a unique blessing in that. Though we have not seen him, we love him. Uh, by the way, here's something important to point out in the story of Thomas. Thomas doubts, but he doesn't walk up to him and say, all right, you guys are crazy. I will see y'all later. No, eight days later, where's Thomas? He's right there. He had questions. He had doubts, but he didn't leave. You got doubts. You've got questions. You've got some confusion. Stay. And Jesus will make himself known to you. Amen. Amen. I'm having fun this morning. Are y'all having fun? Encountering the risen Christ. What would it have been like as Mary with a broken heart standing in the garden to hear Jesus call my name? And in a moment, hope comes flooding in. What would it have been like those two on the road, confused? And in a moment, they say, wait a minute, our hearts were burning. (laughs) We just got to get back in the scripture. What would it have been like for Thomas, for Jesus to say, here, right here, touch it, feel it. I'm right here for you, Thomas. There's one more story of an encounter with Jesus that we got to look at. Number four is this, write this down, the rock who denied him. This is found in John chapter 21, if you want to turn over there. John 21, Jesus calls one of his closest followers, he calls him, you're no longer Kephas, you're Petros, rock. You are a solid guy. You are the man. He says, you, you're my guy. You're, you're like my bodyguard. You're my dude. And this guy, when the heat was on, walked away. Not only did he walk away, when they asked him, he said, I do not know the man. Denied him three times. Peter the rock had a moment of weakness. But I love this story in John 21, verse 15. Musicians can come. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, feed my sheep. It's interesting that three times, listen, three times Peter denied him. After the resurrection, Jesus comes to Peter. He puts his arm around him and says, 
Peter, do you love me? And he asks it how many times? Three times. What he's doing, he's saying, hey, Peter, you had a moment of weakness. A serious moment of weakness. But Jesus doesn't come and slap him around. Jesus doesn't kick him out. Jesus doesn't discard him. No, he redeems him. He reinstates him. That's what Jesus does. He doesn't come to those who've messed up and say, well, you screwed up. See ya. No, he comes to those who have messed up and says, hey, do you love me? Come on. Come on. I got you. That's an encounter with the risen Christ that I've had. He's never failed me, but I've failed him. And he extends loving kindness to me and says, no, 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 I'm not. You may have betrayed me. You may have denied me, but I won't deny you. That's who we're worshiping today, y'all. A Jesus who is good and kind. Yes, he's tough, but he's tender and loving. Amen? Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, if there's someone today who has a broken heart, they just feel crushed by the events that have happened in this life. May they hear you whisper your name. May they realize that in a moment, hope can come flooding back in because your Father is our Father. There's someone here today who's confused. They're trying to make sense out of life. May they encounter the risen Christ who walks with us and begins to explain that you have a plan in everything you're doing. If there's someone here today that they have questions, they have doubts, they have concerns, they just can't figure it all out, may they see that you're a God that's patient with them. Sure, you do reveal yourself and there are answers, but you love and you care for those. As long as we stick around, you will reveal yourself. And Lord, if there's someone here, at one time they were close. At one time, <laughs> they knew the joy of their salvation. They were excited to live for you, but somewhere along the way we've said, I can't be with him. May they hear you say, just as you said to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? If so, come. Welcome to the family. If you're here today and you don't have that relationship with him right here and right now, by faith, right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I believe, I confess that I, I can't make myself right with you, but by your grace, I believe. Save me. Save me. Make that decision today. For the rest of us, may we walk in the joy of our salvation that, that <laughs> we have been called son and daughter of the King. We thank you for your presence. In your wonderful name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. We're going to worship right now. If you have a need in your life, you want somebody to pray for you? There's going to be people all across the front here to pray with you. For the rest of us, let's stand, let's worship, and let's celebrate the God who is for us. Amen.